So let's do this. Let, let's pray, cause, cause I got God done got me geeked up. I'm ready to go ahead and bring the word. Amen. Amen. Let, let's let's pray, Father. We thank you. We thank you because we see what you're doing right now. We recognize it right now, Father God, and we are here to receive what it is that you have for us to receive. Father God, we bind any distractions, Lord God. We bind any detours, anything, that, any malfunctions that may try to stop your word from going to your people. And we believe right now, Father God, by faith we have an expectation that that which you want us to receive today, it will be ours. That we'll have eyes, Lord God, to see. We'll have ears to hear, God, and you'll give us an understanding of what it is that you have for us. So, God, I pray right now, remove me out of it. Use me, but remove me. So that only your word, your heart is what the people hear. So, God, I thank you right now that they don't see me, they don't hear me. They hear what you're trying to say to them through me, God. So, Lord, we honor you today. Help us to be focused. Help us, Lord God, to be open. Help us to have an expectation that when it seems like I'm talking to you, that I'm talking to you. That that's God talking to you. So, Lord, we honor you. We thank you right now. Bless, keep, and cover us as we go into your word this morning, Father. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We ready to do work today. Amen. I'm, I'm excited about the message. I'm, I'm excited about what God has to say to his people today. Amen. Um, I want to start off giving honor to God, right? As always, that's my heart, that's my life. Me being up here is me giving honor to God. And I want to give honor to God. But I also want to take a moment and give honor to our pastor. Can we praise God with the clapping of our hands for our pastor, Pastor Charles, the man. Amen. Amen. Guys, we're going to be going to, to the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter number 22, verses 39 through 42. Luke 22. 39 through 42. Y'all see, I start yelling and the rain wouldn't get quiet. No, don't do that now. Amen. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 through 42. And this is what it reads. <clears throat> he went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him when he reached the place he told them pray that you may not fall into temptation it's Jesus talking pray that you may not fall into temptation then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away and knelt down and began to pray verse 42 God Father if you are willing, if it be thy will, take this cup away from me. Here we go, y'all. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But thy will be done. Amen. Amen. If I were to tag a title to this text this morning, guys, I would simply tag it, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Amen. Amen. We thank God for... His presence being here. We thank God for you being here in the house tonight, amen, or this morning. Um, and I'm excited about what God has to say, amen. Amen. So, so in our text today, it's here, we're seeing a moment 
that's leading up to a couple of things for Jesus, right? As he goes to Mount of Olives, right? This is leading up to a couple of things. It's leading up to Jesus' betrayal, right? It's leading up to his arrest. It's leading up to his unjust trial and eventually is leading up to his crucifixion. Amen? And, and, and all of this, this moment is, is, is a culmination of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And up to this point, Jesus had been living what many of us would consider a purpose-driven life. Amen? Jesus had been preaching and he's been teaching the good news all throughout the land. He had been healing the sick. Amen? He, he had been casting out demons and he had been operating fully in his authority and his power, right? He had been operating fully, and even as a young boy, Jesus was clear on what his calling was. I mean, he was clear on the reason why he was sent to earth and what he was sent to earth to accomplish. If you look in Luke 2 and 49, it, it talks about how Jesus' mom and dad was looking for him, and they couldn't find him nowhere. They go back to the last place that they knew he would be, and they found him in the temple, and, and this is what he said. Why did you look for me? Why you seek me? Don't you know that I'm about my father's business? Even as a young lad, Jesus knew what God had called him to do. He knew what he was made for. He knew what his purpose was here on earth. Amen? And for many people, this is a hang-up in our lives, right? What am I supposed to be doing in my life? In fact, y'all, I just recently found this out. One of the best-selling books of all time is a purpose-driven life by Pastor Rick Warren. Y'all remember that? that was, that's one of the highest-selling books of all time. Why? Because people are seeking a reason, a purpose for why I'm here, right? This speaks to the fact that we have a deep desire to live a life that's on purpose, amen? To, to, to live a life that has direction, or the life that has passion, right? And, and while I'm not saying that, that while we're living this earth on this earth and living out our purpose, we're going to have the same impact as Jesus had. We're not going to have the same effectiveness as Jesus had. But God has called us to live life within a certain standard of living. There are certain ways that he wants us to live. There are certain things that he desires for us, and he wants us to live life within the will that he's desired to call for us. Amen. He wants us to conduct ourselves a certain way. He wants a life of devotion from his people. He wants a life where you're fully devoted to God, right? He wants a life where people see you and it's marked by love and it's marked by forgiveness, not bitterness, not hatred, not judgment, right? He wants a life, watch this, that's separate. He wants a life that's set apart from the rest, amen? A life where there are certain things that are only reserved for God in your life. Think about that. There are certain areas that are only reserved for God. Your praise, your worship is only reserved for God. I can show my wife all the love, but I never worship her, right? I can give compliments, but I never truly praise my kids. I'm not going to thank them for being the, all my source, right? There are certain things that God said, that's mine. I'm a jealous guy. Don't give nobody else that, right? And, and, and while we know this, and there are those who, who want to do this, live this type of life, right? I'm willing to go out on a limb and say some of us are falling short, right? Having done what we know God wants us to do, having walked the way that we know that God wants us to walk, right? And here's the thing. There are times, watch this, when your carnal desire was stronger than your spiritual conviction. 
right? That, 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 that flesh, that me part was stronger. I knew what he wanted. It's good. But that spiritual conviction couldn't overtake it. Amen? See, this, this, is, this is why in, in Luke 2 and 40, he, he tells the disciples, Jesus, he tells the disciples who accompany him to the garden, he says this, pray that you don't fall into temptation. Right? Pray that you don't fall into temptation. Why? Because Jesus wanted them to pray because Jesus knew what was coming. Right? Jesus knew what lied ahead for them. And he wanted them to pray that they wouldn't fall into the temptation of betraying them. Right? We had some betrayal. He didn't want them to fall into a temptation of running away. Fall into the temptation of denying him. Pray that you don't fall into that temptation. So, so while Jesus was praying for himself, he was also urging his disciples to pray for themselves too, for that temptation. See, here's the thing. You can be where you think that you're supposed to be and not be properly equipped for the moment. Right? You can think you need everything that you need, that you're ready, you've been prepared. But Jesus said, nope, you think you are. You need to pray. Because what's coming is going to need prayer. What's coming is going to need separation. What's coming is going to need preparation. So you got to be ready for the moment that you find yourself in. Amen. I think about parents, right? Parents that are, are soon-to-be parents. You find out you and your wife, your husband, you guys are pregnant. And you prepare some people have, you know, have been trying to have kids, so they've been preparing for years. And then you got eight, nine months of preparation while you're pregnant. And you can do all of this preparation. But who knows that preparing to have a baby is different from having a baby, right? There, there are some things that the preparation for a pregnancy, the preparation for a birth or something, isn't adequate enough to properly prepare you for when it comes. Amen? You think, I, I ran a business for several years. Writing a business plan is challenging. There's a lot of research, a lot of development. It, has, it don't even hold a candle to running a business. Right? So you can be prepared. You can be called. You can be equipped. And when the moment comes, you can still not be ready. Right? Me. You can still not be ready. Right? And it's right here in this verse, in verse number 22, where if you guys are me, you know, nevertheless, is. One of my favorite phrases, right? One of my favorite words in Scripture because of the complexity of what it means. And we'll dive into it, but it's also just a personal thing for me, right? But here in verse number 42, this is where we see the humanity of Jesus, right? Watch this. Looking for an escape route from the divine mantle that God had placed over him, right? What I mean by that, Jesus knew the will of the Father, because Jesus is God, right? John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Sometimes we know what the right thing is to do, but we'll undermine that with uncertainty. Your uncertainty about what God has called you to do can undermine what God is trying to do, right? And it's in this moment where we see y'all, why, why this is one of my favorite quotes, why this is one of my favorite words, because for a brief moment, we see the duality of Jesus the man, Jesus the God man, right? We, we, we see that, that, that God has enabled him to be able to be both man and fully God. But here's the thing, 
Jesus, the man, had a different will from the God man, the divinity, the God of Jesus, right? Right? He, he had a different will from the Father. The, 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 the God man had a, a different will from the man, but the, the divinity, the God and God, wouldn't allow it to go forth, right? And that's something that I want us to take away from this point. That while we may struggle, we have our humanity. We are we're a flawed people, right? We have a divinity within us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God resting on the inside of us. So there are going to be times where you're going to have to battle that. There are going to be times where there's a duality between what I want to do and what God wants me to do, right? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, that don't forget that you are God's temple. And God's spirit lives on the inside of me. So although I may struggle, that although I may have issues and things in my life that I want to do, ultimately I got to have a nevertheless, right? I have to allow the spirit of God on the inside of me to be greater than the carnal side of me that I want to go in. Amen? And oftentimes this is what happens. We know the will of the Father, but we, we struggle with two things, accepting it and fulfilling it. You struggle with the acceptance. You struggle with the fulfillment of it. Romans 7 and 19 puts it perfectly, right? The, the good things that I want to do, that's not what I do. But the stuff that I don't want to do, guess what? That's the very thing that I find myself doing. There's that duality, the, the, the conflict, right? And this is the part that speaks to our humanity, right? This is the part that speaks to our natural desire to do what it is that we want to do. Amen. Because we have to remember, Jesus was 100% God, but he was still 100% man. Amen? Jesus was God in human form. In Hebrews 4 and 15, it says this, For we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are. He's experienced it with us, right? Yet, without sin. He knows what we feel. He knows what it feels like to want to do something that you know you shouldn't, right? To be tempted by something that look good, tastes good, sound good, but yet he'd never sinned. I mean, Jesus was God in human form. So when he went to the mountaintop to pray, it wasn't the God and Jesus asking God the Father, what is it that you want us to do? He knows. It was the man part of Jesus saying, Father, if it be your will. He's petitioning, praying to, to the divinity of God. Father, if it be your will, remove this cup. Why, why, I don't want to do this. Remove this cup from me. Why? Because Jesus the man had one will, but Jesus the God man had another will. Right? And I was thinking about this and I was bad and I was like, Jesus, because that's a, that's a deep theological question for a lot of people. Like, he was fully man. That's a hang up for a lot of people. He was fully man. He was fully God. How do you encompassed in, in one vessel. How does that work? Is it, was he really? And I started thinking about, well, Jesus was hungry. That's, that's something that a man would be, right? Jesus got tired. That, I, don't think, I don't think God gets tired. So he was God, but he was also man. Amen? See, see so it, it, it's similar to when, we, when we're faced with a decision. So I was thinking about it. Like if you, sometimes we run into a decision where you may or may not have to help a family member, Right? You, you, you may have to help a coworker, not help a coworker, and, and, and your heart wants to help them, but your head is saying, this ain't your ministry, this, not this one. Yeah. 
You know, this, this, this call at 11 o'clock at night because they don't got jammed up, this one not for you. You're going to have to allow this to pass. See, it's a part of me that wants to help, but it's a part of me that's telling me that I shouldn't have, not this time. Amen? It's the same way. And, and the same person, the same duality and decision that I have to make, Jesus experienced it. But the difference is now Jesus sits on the thrones of our hearts. Right? We don't have to make that decision in our own understanding, in our own knowledge, in our own perception. God gives us. He sent a helper. Right? We got a, we got a helper now. So, so when I don't know which way to go, the, the, the God in me steps in and says, no, son, this is what I want you to do. Amen? We got a helper that, that, that helps us to realize it. And the helper, it gives us the power to propel. Watch this. Past my preference. I got a preference. But the power of God within me helps to push past that point. Amen. The, a Holy Spirit living on the inside of me that enables me to do what's right. To, 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 to have a, a fleshly desire, but to still have a nevertheless in my heart. That makes sense. So, 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 so we've, we've, we've gone too far sometimes with this concept, right? And, and I, I frame it like this. We, we've gotten comfortable with compromise, Right? This, this, this knowing what God wants, but not doing what God said. It's, it, there's a certain level of comfort that we've gotten within that compromise. See, everything that you may want, it may seem good, it may have good intentions, but it may not be the will of the Father. It may not be. And, and, and when you give your life over to God, you have to understand, you got to realize, and you have to accept the fact that everything that you want isn't going to happen. Everything that you think needs to take place isn't going to take place. Amen. See, there, there, there are times when I'm on my job and my, my, my boss and my manager may have one, you know, directive, right? There, there may be things within my household, right, that, that, I, that, that uh, we decide on as a group, but I may not fully be behind it. There may, there may be stuff here at church where I'm like, I, wanna, I don't want to hear that song. I want to hear this song, right? But, but <laughs> there, there are times where we don't agree with it. We think that what we're thinking is the better route, right? But, but that doesn't give us the right. It, it doesn't give us the authority to usurp, to override the authority or the position that God has placed over you. That makes, that, that makes sense even as a dog. That doesn't, just because I may think it's the right thing, I may have data to back it up. That don't give me the right to usurp. That don't give me the right to override that authority, right? And because of that, we find people who struggle with that, and here's the results of it. You find people that church hop a lot, right? People, people, people don't, don't want to go to a church where if I ain't got to say so in the color we wear on the third Sunday, I'm out of here, right? You, 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 got, you got people that can't commit to one job. That boss can't talk to me crazy. He must not know who I am. I'm, I, I'm Mama Jean's oldest son. I'm out of here, right? Whatever it might be. They, they, they hop around from, from church to church. You may have people from job to job, woman to man, relationship to relationship, marriage to marriage. Right? All of this is because they are unwilling to commit to the authority that's above them. They're not willing to commit to it. They, they can't commit to anything that won't bow down to them. Right? But, but he, I, I love this. Jesus said this. When we're talking about having authority, bowing down, being able to be a, a, a servant leader, Jesus said this in Mark 10 and 45. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Everybody has to answer to somebody. All of us. Everybody got to answer to somebody. Everybody needs to have an authority that they rest under. Right? That they accept a covering, a system, an establishment, something they're able to lean on. Right? And for the believer in particular, that covering, right, that system, that establishment, that's God. That's our covering. That's what we lean on. That's the authority that we rest under. Amen. This is, this is why I love the, the Bible says to, to lean out to your own understanding. Right? But in all your ways, acknowledge God. He'll, he'll direct your path. Quit trying to, don't, don't lean to your own understanding. You don't know better. Right? Just, just, just submit yourself to the authority of the wisdom and the sovereignty of God. Right? And he'll direct your path. Amen. See, see, this is what happens. And God showed me this. I shared this with my wife. I usually don't even share my notes, but this is this is so good to me. Let me. This this is what happens when you don't have a nevertheless. We see it in the Garden of Eden. When you don't have a nevertheless, when you don't have a resolve to rest in the sovereignty of God. Watch this, y'all. You will allow outside voices to compromise the communication that God has already given you. If you don't have a nevertheless, right, I think about a nevertheless is just like, just like talking hand, right, just real quick, you cut it off instantly. If you don't have a nevertheless, you will compromise that communication. You will do this. You will allow questions to overtake commandments. And you will allow uncertainty to undermine what God has told you. We see this in, in, in we're going to go to Genesis 3 and 1. Here, listen to what it says. And remember this, we will allow questions to overtake the commandments. Genesis 3 and 1 says this. The serpent talking to Adam and Eve, right? Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God really indeed said, you shall not eat from this tree, uh, from the garden, right? Shall you not treat, eat from every tree of the garden? Did God really say that? He posed it with a question, right? And here we see Eve allowing the questioning of Satan to cause her to go directly against what God has said. That's, uh, this is what we see in, in, in the Garden of Eden, right? But get this, y'all. The decision in the Garden of Eden, it parallels the decision made in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because the decision that was made would impact humanity either negatively or positively. Think about it. The decision that they made, the, 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 the willingness to compromise by, by questioning what God said caused man, humanity to fall. Right? So they condemned us. They damned us. But then the decision that Jesus made, right, the nevertheless that he had is the one that saved us. Amen. So it's in that decision, right, it's in that, in a bit, that, that unwillingness to compromise, to have what I call a nevertheless, that regardless of what I want, I know what he said. Regardless of how you question it, how you, that's why you can question it. But I lean out to my own understanding. I got a scapegoat. 
I don't fully understand it, but I know what he said. I can follow the direction. Amen? Where Adam and Eve fell short, Jesus was unwilling to compromise. And Jesus, the man, he didn't want to bear the cup. Jesus had been, had been walking in knowledge. He had been walking in wisdom and understanding. He knew this was part of his path. He knew it was part of his path. He knew he had come to earth to bear this cup. But even in the midst of knowing that, in the midst of knowing God's desire for him, he still struggled with it. He struggled with it. And, and, and we struggle with it, right? We, 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 we struggle with those same type of things. We, we struggle with simple stuff, y'all. We struggle with forgiving our brothers and sisters, right? Not always, not everybody. I'll say me. I just put we, but it's really me, right? We, we struggle with resisting temptation. God don't want us to fall into temptation. Pray so that you don't fall into temptation. We still struggle with it. We struggle with walking and living a way that's truly pleasing to God, right? We, we struggle with reading our Bibles, right? Going to, going to church consistently, praying consistently. We struggle. And so we know that the struggle is real. But like the saying is, the struggle is real, but so is God. Amen. So is God. And so we see Jesus. He, he doesn't allow, I like how this is worded. He doesn't allow the legitimacy of his struggle to overtake the importance of his purpose. Right? So many relationships have faltered because you have a legitimate reason but it's not important enough to compromise what God has called you to do, right? Me and my wife already know we ain't never, we ain't never splitting up, right? It don't, it, don't, it don't matter what it is, like, we got a nevertheless for our, for our relationship, amen? Right? Because the purpose that God has to us together for is more important than the legitimacy of any mistake we can make, right? So, 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 so many of us, we know what God has called us to do, right? Many of us, we know, but we struggle with accepting it because why? Here's the reason why we struggle with accepting it. Because the acceptance requires sacrifice. There's a sacrifice that has to take place. There's a giving up that has to come with it. But some of us like the ideal of the thing that we don't want to give up better than we like the ideal of walking in the perfect will of God. Right? I know I like this, this perfect will of God thing. I don't know. I mean, when I first got saved, y'all, this is answer. I was afraid to fully, to be fully faithful and committed. I'm telling you the truth, because I thought bad stuff would start to happen to me. Right? I, I had a fear, honestly, God, I had a fear that the more I dove into God, that, that the enemy was going to start sending stuff my way, that bad things would start happening. So I would straddle the fence, you know? I would be, I would faithfully go to church, but I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really, you know. You know, I wasn't really praying. I wasn't really reading about You know what I mean? I was straddling the fence because of a fear. And some of us, we like that ideal of that thing better than we like the ideal of God. And when you do this, when you, when you allow the liking of something else to supersede what God is calling you to do, you know what it's called? Compromise. It's called compromise. Right? And when you compromise, you will make a mistake you'll rationalize what you know God has said to do instead of doing it, and you'll find yourself saying this, Father, if it be your will, 
I got you really sure you want me to do this? If it be your will, Father. Right? But that's why when we, when we, when we talk about nevertheless, I, I'm telling when we talk about nevertheless, we're talking about a commitment to doing what you don't want to do despite how you feel. Right? You, 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 you talk about doing what God has said to do when you don't fully understand it. Right? That you don't fully understand why God is calling you to a certain place. And it creates a tension and it creates a discomfort. It's going to cause a, a discomfort in circles that you run in. Right? But when you say yes to God, you're not just saying no to what you want. You're saying yes to a lot of things God wants for you. There's a real trade-off in obedience and commitment to God. Amen. You, you find yourself walking by faith and not by sight, right? I don't, under, I, don't, I don't fall into my own thinking. I don't allow my understanding. I ain't read enough books to know what God really has in store for me. Amen. But I know this. That And I love this, this saying, when I don't understand what his hand is doing in my life, I trust his heart. I trust his heart. I know what he has said. I know, the good, I know his heart toward me. Right? I, I'm, looking at my, I'm looking at my daughter. She, she, know, she knows she can close her eyes. We play a game where I walk upstairs and she'll close her eyes. And she's like, we upstairs yet? She don't know what level of the house we on yet, but she trusts me to be able to close her eyes. She don't know what's going on, but she trusts me in the midst, so she keep her eyes closed. That's, that, that's how we got to be, right? I don't mean, I mean, I understand what's going on, but I trust you, God. I'm not going to fall away from you. Amen? So in the scripture, we see Jesus who's saying this. He's saying, Father, if it be your will, right, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Here's something that I, I want us, and, and I, I, I hesitate in this moment, um, but, I, but I, someone, this is for someone. The change that you're looking for, right? The shift, we like saying, the, the, the shift that you're praying for in your marriage, in your, in your work, in your relationships, it's not just attached to faithfulness. It's also attached to obedience. It's not just faithfulness. Because, listen, faithfulness can sometimes be disguised as consistency. Right? If I go to work consistently, they'll swear I'm faithful. I'll walk out their job tomorrow. Right? But if I go there consistently, <laughs> but it will come across as faithful. It'll come across as faithful because it's consistent. Right? See, see, if you, if you do anything long enough, right, you'll develop a characteristic and a, and a trait of consistency, but that don't make you obedient, right? But, but, but when you're obedient, that's when you're willing to do that which you don't know, that which you don't understand, just because the one over you said to do it, right? Listen, Noah built an ark because he was obedient, right? Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. Why? He was being obedient. Joshua, he's he circling the walls of Jericho. It makes sense. Why? He was being obedient. And obedience isn't just the willingness to do what you don't want to do, but it's the willingness to do it and not understand it. There's things God tells us to do, and we just don't understand the reason why. Right? I, I, I think about for those who are, who are here, God called you to Lighthouse. And you may not fully understand 
why start up church, it's not, whatever case may be, whatever apprehensions you may have had. You know what I'm saying? But you are obedient by it for it. And, and I can testify, I know many can testify how blessed you've been by that obedience, right? By connecting to the stuff that God told you to connect with. Amen. And so I, I want us to, to dwell on this for a second. God is saying it's not your faithfulness, it's your obedience. If you are willing to get out of your way to not allow the questions, right, to cloud up your judgment, but to say nevertheless, right, to say I'm willing to do whatever it takes, God. Because I'm telling you, the more you allow it to call, call, cause you to hold back, the longer you detour and derail and delay what God has for you. And I'm to a point, y'all, where I don't, have, I, don't have, I don't have the time, I don't have the margin to not to do what God has called me to do. I mean, I got to get it right the first time. I got to have an abrupt, never to mind, when the enemy tries to come in and question, did he really tell you to do that? You sure you called? You, you, see, how many, you see how many hours a week you have to put into this? You sure he said to do this? But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You still, Lord, them kids is, is, is a handful. You sure you still want to stick around? <laughs> you still want to stay committed to them? But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Right? You've been with that girl for 20-something years. You still love, you still, nevertheless. Plus I want to, plus I want to, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen? We got to get under the authority of God. Not just, it's the obedience, but it's also the blessing that's attached to it. That's a blessing to it, right? What's Scripture say? Obedience is what? It's better than sacrifice. It's better than sacrifice. So I, so I challenge us as we, as we look at the life that Jesus led. Again, this was, the, this was the, the fork in the road between the cross and comfort. And Jesus for us. He chose, he chose the cross. Amen. So listen, this, let, me, let me jot these three down before, and then we're going to get ready to go. Because it, it was three components, three things that came to me and that stuck out when you wanted to live a nevertheless life. Real quick, the first thing is this, you have to fear God. And I'm not saying you have to be afraid of God, you have to have a reverence for God. You got to recognize who he is. You have to understand, right? So you have to have a fear of God, but secondly, you have to trust God. You got to know that what he wants for you is better than what you can want for yourself. You have to know that he has a perfect plan for my life. And sometimes that plan doesn't involve me living in a, in a mansion and driving, you know, a, a Porsche. But I, but, but, I, but I have a fear for disobeying him. I have a reverence for him, and then I trust him, knowing that whatever he has for me is going to be better than what I think. And then lastly, for us especially, you got to have a boldness for God. A boldness for God. You got to be a, a, a conviction to be able to say that this is what God has said. And my yes is yes, and my no is no about this matter. Period. So, God, I love you. I trust you. I have a reverence for you. And then, God, give me a boldness to stand in that knowledge and do what you've called me to do. Amen. And as we do that, 
if, if we go to verses in this, in this particular passage, if you go to verse number 43, it talks about how, how angel, after Jesus made this, 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 this decision, this nevertheless, how angels came and they comforted him. They strengthened him. Don't think God's just going to leave. There's going to be a strengthening that's going to come from the obedience, from the nevertheless. Amen. And so that's what I want I I to encourage us today to do. To know that God will not leave you, God won't forsake you, but you gotta say nevertheless. You can't keep allowing the same thing to cause you not to get it. You can't keep missing it for the same reason, amen? And God is saying that the, the plan I got for you, I, I love you so much, it's so much better than what you want. It's so much higher beyond what your scope of understanding. But you gotta connect, you gotta be obedient, you gotta have a nevertheless, amen? Amen, can we give God a hand clap of praise? I want to, because if we can, if we, if we can stand, I, I, I want to I pray for this here, right? I want to pray for this, this, this issue for the house, amen? Because this, 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 this obedience, this commitment is not easy, right? We go, I'll I go through this in 34, whatever it is, but this is a radical way of living, Right? This is a radical way of, of existing and, and, and living your life for God. And it doesn't come easy. And what did Jesus say before this moment? Go pray. There's going to be some temptations. I'm about to go head into a temptation. Please pray. Right? My, my, my physical wants doesn't want this cup. But nevertheless. And so before we do that, if there's someone who finds himself in a place where you say, you know what? I want to come up. Let, let's pray. I, I, I found myself allowing compromise to get too comfortable in my life, right? I, I've, I've allowed myself to get too far away from the things I know God has called me to do. You don't have, you don't have to come up, come forth, but if you want to come forth, I want to pray. We want to connect, right? Because that's what it takes. It's, it's going to, it, it takes connecting and relying on God to be able to get over, Amen. And so if that's you, the, the altar is open. We also want to make sure we leave room and space for anybody who can't connect because you don't have a relationship, right? You need to have a relationship with Jesus as your Savior. So if that's you today, the altar is open. We'll come, we connect, we'll pray, and, and we'll lead your salvation. And, and then lastly, if it's an area of obedience and God has called you to this particular house, we want to make sure that the altar is open for you as well. Amen. I mean, this is what God has told you to do. This isn't me. This isn't pressure. This is obedience on my part in this particular area. Amen. Amen.